Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us today. I have got a treat. We're going to mix encouragement and sports today, which are two of my favorite things, encouragement and sports. And on today's Intentional Encourager podcast, I want to introduce you to a dear friend of mine, entrepreneur, uh, former sales guy, well, still current sales guy, and now the current assistant women's basketball coach at the University of West Alabama, a Division II program in Western Alabama, just about an hour west of the Birmingham area. And my guest this morning is Jeff Lovell. Jeff, welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast. Good morning, Brian. Great to be here, brother. How you doing? Man, it is a beautiful day to, uh, to talk sports. And as the time we're recording this, we don't have a lot to talk about in the world of sports. And we also can talk encouragement. So let's start there, Jeff. Uh, you know, you recently just took a position as a, an assistant women's basketball coach at the University of West Alabama, but you're right there in SEC basketball country with uh, Auburn University that's had tremendous success under Bruce Pearl the last few years, and the University of Alabama who had their first year, uh, Coach Nate Oates, have a pretty good season this year. When you when you think of the state of Alabama, though, you think about football, but but in this time that we're in, it's been an interesting time because we, we would have had March Madness and the final four would have been a, a week or so ago. And then spring games would have come in football. Think about what, what is it, what has this time been like in the state of Alabama where nothing has been happening from a sports standpoint? Yeah, that's, it's, it's definitely different times, Brian. And, it, and it's kind of, a, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think it's really made, uh, my family and those around me just really realize the, the finer things in life. I think we sometimes build our life around those sports arenas and mm-hmm. not saying that's a bad thing, but sometimes we can make those things our gods. And, uh, you know, we turn the, the, the TV on now really just to, to take a glimpse at the news and that's for about 15, 20 minutes in the weather. And that's it. We don't watch it. Uh, so mm-hmm. we've had a lot of uh, time with family and some different things that we wouldn't have been able to take advantage of where we had a, directed those those uh spare times into sports or watching tv to do something like that but uh, it's kind of different you know we're getting closer and closer to football season so uh had this have happened you know toward the national championship during the football season uh, it may have been a little bit different um you know i know basketball is probably not at the forefront of most people's minds it is mine uh, but being that it was kind of off-season football, it, it gives everybody hope and time. Oh, we're going to get, you know, it's coming. You know, we're still going to be able to play the season. So uh, it would have been interesting to see how people would have responded to this had it been during the football season. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, that's keen here. And that's, um, you know, in Alabama, you got a choice. It's either Auburn or Alabama. And I was fortunate to grow up an Alabama fan and play basketball there and, and uh, even when I played basketball there, that, that football was the main thing. You know, you were kind of the, you know, the second child there. So, uh, but uh, it, it's, it's just a different feel. Um, it's hard to put a finger on. And, and now with me uh, being at West Alabama, you know, we're doing recruiting virtually. Uh, yep. We just had signing day. We, we've signed a, 
a point guard out of Minnesota. We've got another girl, junior college, we're going to be signing. So, uh, you know, we're having to do all of our tours virtually and doing everything just like we're doing here on webcast. So uh, I don't know if you call it the new normal, but um, it, it's definitely different. Well, and Jeff, you know, connection is such a big part of college recruiting, as you know. It's, it's, it's getting a relationship established with that parent and that, that student athlete early in the process, getting them interested in what you can offer them uh, from not only an athletic standpoint, but an academic standpoint. How has connection, and, and let's step back to your previous sales life, how are those skills helping you now in recruiting student athletes and building that connection quicker, having to do it virtually? Well, and I think it's, it's, it's the time that we're in, uh, you know, electronics and, and the, the communication through technology has really made things, I, I, I don't know if it's easier, maybe better or more convenient uh, because you can get in touch with anybody. But Brian, you know, as well as I do, you're in sales, you know, uh, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's right. And so um, I think it's this is really going to be good for, for people who have a genuine heart for what they do. And that's why I'm excited about this program because of the head coach there is, is a really big family man. I'm a family guy too. And, and uh, you know, my prayer was before this came along is I didn't want to make basketball or coaching my God. It's, it's yeah. a really good opportunity to invest in young people and really impact their life, not only basketball, but what they can do after basketball. And that's the process of developing those kids. And uh, it's amazing. Um, and I'll share this with you, a recruit that she actually chose us and she was being recruited by some lower D1 schools. But uh, we got to talking and I just kind of shared my faith with her. And she's a, a very faith-driven person. And I kind of shared some of the things we had on campus with the churches and the local college kids. And, and she just stopped me and she said, Coach, can I stop you for a second? And I said, uh, yeah. I said, did, did I say something wrong? And she said, no, she goes, out of all these schools that are recruiting me and every coach that I've talked to said, you're the first one to mention anything about faith or religion or any kind of activities. And I said, well, that's just who we are. You know, I'm not going to hide who I am. It could cost me a recruit, could get me, who knows, but that's who we are. And I think that gives us an opportunity on the phone or through communications like this. You really get a sense of, of people's, who they genuinely are, uh, because anybody can put on a good act in front yeah. of you. That's right. So I think that's kind of a, just a true test of the kind of people being able to communicate without face-to-face -face interaction. And Jeff, the important thing right now to keep in mind for a lot of people is in this time of working from home, in this time of, of things being abnormal, is really trying to find who you are. And, and when we come out of this being a, a, a better person, and we've all fought through things. I, I'm going to be very transparent. There have been times I'm like, man, this stinks. This is, I, I hate this. Because I'm used to being out in front of people. I'm used to being out in, in, the, in the public and going from place to place and going to a restaurant, eating lunch. And, then, you know, when I have to travel, staying in a nice hotel and you get used to a routine and the routine has been disrupted. For those young ladies that you talk to, and their families, their routine this time of year is, especially when they're a freshman, sophomore, junior in high school, is, okay, we've got travel ball coming up. We've got tournaments we have to go to. And, and parents and families really plan their vacations 
around those activities because that's what they've always done. When you think about connecting with, with kids going forward, do you see that virtual connection will be a, a bigger part of what college athletics becomes and how they recruit students and athletes to come to the schools? Absolutely. And, I, you know, we, we just had this discussion yesterday. Coach, Coach Cram and I were sitting down and talking, and, and, um, and it may or may not, hopefully it has a reverse effect, but, you know, I really believe all this happening is, is really going to have a tremendous effect on colleges because um, now that you have the virtual, the online, all of our girls are, are doing everything online, uh, just like everybody else is. Um, so you're going to have a lot of kids other than the ones that are coming to play sports you may have some of those moms and dads says, look, just do online courses. You know, you don't yeah. need to go spend money for a dorm or a meal ticket or anything like that. It'll save money. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you can get more kids doing online classes, but you're going to miss that revenue coming in from kids coming outside, renting dorms, spending money in the town. So we're just kind of, you know, seeing where that's going to go. But yeah, I think this is going to be somewhat of the new norm. You know, my wife is a circuit judge and, and she's busier now than she was before all this happened because they're yeah. having to do everything online and web uh, zoom cast and all these different things. So, but I think it's actually going to help her in the long run because, you know, she can see people from jail that, you know, get them online and they don't have to yeah. come in the office and waste that time. So I, I do believe this is going to be the new norm. I read a story the other day that Nick Saban, the university of Alabama head football coach, is finally texting recruits for the first time. And if Nick Saban can adjust, the greatest coach arguably of all time in college football, and a West Virginia native, I might add. So thank Absolutely. you, Alabama. We, you know, Nick, Nick Saban. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Nick Saban from Monongah, West Virginia, up, up in the northern part of our state. But to your point, Jeff, if, if guys like Nick Saban can find a way to do it differently, then, then we're all doing it differently. I want to, to, to bring the conversation over to your transition, your personal transition. You were in sales for a lot of years, and you've, I, you and I have had these conversations privately. Talk about what, what your life was like prior to what you're doing now and, and the transitions you've made to get from point A to point B. Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of similarities, but then there's also a lot of differences. Um, when you're dealing with doctor's offices, you're uh, you're not only dealing with doctors, but you're dealing with the entire staff. And so you were in pharma, just, just for the for the audience's clarification, you were in pharmaceutical sales when you talk about yes, sir, doctor's yes. offices. Exactly. So I, I did that for about 16 years, and uh, God blessed me tremendously. And But I kind of took that same approach is uh, I, I didn't want the, the hashtag of being a pharmaceutical rep. Uh, you know, I wanted to for the doctors to see me as a value to their office, the nurses, and 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 somebody that's coming in that's willing to help them, not just trying to sell them a product. And so, you know, I kind of take that same role on when you're recruiting a kid. Um, you know, we don't want to just treat them like a piece of meat. We just want them to play basketball. So, you know, we're asking questions, and we make sure we. And I think that's always big in sales is is to understand the why behind the why. Um, so. Uh, we ask questions to the, the kids that they may be asking to us and say, look, we want to make sure you're asking other schools these questions. These are things you need to be asking to make sure you understand because, as you know, uh, four year, even though it's a four-year scholarship, those are renewable every year. 
Yep. Uh, so you get a kid one year, you know, we're asking them what happens if you get hurt in your first year, you know, and are they going to renew that scholarship? Are they going to, you know, pay for your education till you graduate? And we offer that. We do that. So we stand behind our commitments. But, um, yeah, it's just from transition, I guess, from the doctors to the to, to parents, it's a lot of similarities with egos. You know, kids kids want to be told how good they are, and they want to be recruited by the best. And and so there's so many schools that you're competing out, out against, and just like in pharma. Let, let, me, let me park on that just a minute, Jeff. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, the, but let Go me ahead. park on that just for a quick second. Because the ego – you're really hitting on something because we all have egos that we like to feed. We all like to feel important. We all like to feel, we, we, we like to feel as though we have something unique to bring and, and, and things like that. When you're recruiting athletes, that's a whole different ball game because, and, and I want to, I want to park here for just a second there are a lot of athletes at the division one level and you hear the stories of, of them being the youngest of 10 or 11 kids, or they're coming from very challenged economic situations, or they had a gift very early in life, their parents sacrificed, and it was all geared toward them getting that division one scholarship or playing at this school, or it was mom and dad's dream uh, maybe for them to play at the University of Alabama. When you're going into that home like that and the parents know they have something that a lot of people want, how do you put those things aside and speak directly to the kid and what's important to them and the mom and dad and, and, and trying to cut through all the different minutia around the ego? Is that a fair question to Absolutely, it's a fair question. And, and, you know, that's something that, that I really I loved about the fact about Coach Cram and how he recruits. And, and I've kind of treated my players, you know, along with being a pharmaceutical rep, I've been a high school basketball coach for the girls program, uh, head coach for 18 years now. And so, you know, I've always told the kids is, is I'm going to treat you like two individuals. You're a basketball player and you're a person. You know, I may get on somebody on the basketball court, and, and, and my job is to make them the best I possibly can, but I'm not going to let that carry over to how I treat them as a person. Once we leave that basketball floor, basketball's over with. Now they're an individual just like you and I. So you have to treat them not only as a basketball player, but as a person. And so that's kind of how we go in, and, and we understand. You know, we know uh, nobody ever set out to, to say, I'm going to be a big failure. There's nobody, I think, wakes up just says, I just want to be a failure. Everybody wants to be a success. And so we have to ask that person that we're recruiting and those parents, what's your definition of success? Uh, is it just to be at a Division One program? You can call that a success, but are you going to go there and really develop the person you want to be, the player you want to be, or is that just your end goal just to be at a D1 program? And so sometimes you get people to thinking because – uh, you know, we proved a kid that uh, she, she's going to walk on to the Division One school. Great talent. And so my question was to her, you know, is that is that really your goal? She goes, well, I've always wanted to play at D1. I said, what's going to happen, you know, if, if you walk on and you set the bench all year? She goes, well, I'm not going to be real happy. You know, so I just kept that line of communication open. Yep. You understand, we're here. We'd love to have you. We've offered you, you know. So you kind of got to get them to thinking about their future and, and I know everybody has the best laid plans and we've prepared for this and 
And yeah. I can get into my story, how you work and you work, but you never know. Look at today. You don't know what's going to happen from day to day, you know? So you kind of got to have, got to have a backup plan. And we just tell them if something did happen, would this be the place you want to be to go to school? Yep. You know, do you enjoy the people you're around? If, if, and that's one of the questions I asked him, you know, someone just said, coach, basketball's my life. And I had others that I'd focus on education. So you kind of get a, a, a sense of where their minds are and what their interests are. So you can kind of get to know them better as a person. So, And I had a coach one time, Jeff, <laughs> I was talking to a coach, a high school coach, and he had coached a kid that went on to the NBA. If I told you his name, you you would know it. And I'm, I'm going to keep that that conversation separate. But he said, when I coach this young man who's playing in the NBA right now, he said, this kid told me, coach, you need to cuss me because I respond better when somebody cusses me. And this coach said to me, he said, Brian, I never cursed it in my life. But it formed a habit inside of him that was not a good habit. Because, again, he was trying to placate too much to what the kid wanted instead of staying true to himself. And I think you hit it just then, Jeff, is, is a lot of times, whether we're in sales or whether we're in leadership or whether we're in ministry or, or whatever we're doing, we try to placate to what other people do. I've been guilty of that in my life before. Um, when in Rome, speak Italian, you know, maybe, maybe saying some things that I wouldn't normally say, but because it's a part of that other ver person's vernacular to try to connect. And I put that in air quotes. It takes me away from who I really am as a, as a basketball coach. Let's step back into the basketball coaching world. How uncommon is it for people to be who they say they are? If you, if you would say, Brian, 15% of the coaches that I've met, they are who they, they really are. The other 80% of them, they'll say one thing and do something else. How important is that in your world now to be who you say you are? I think that's extremely important because, you know, in today's world, may not, may not be as important um, years ago as it is now, but as you know, uh, with the transfer portal, uh, you know, kids have so many opportunities you get a kid in here and, and it's not what they want, well, they can just put their name in the transfer portal and, and go to another school. Uh, you know, as long as it's, they get the release and different things like that. So it's almost like you're catering to those kids. But if you set those expectations up front and, and you say you who, who you are and when they come in and it's exactly what you say it's going to be, you know, they made that choice. And, and we kind of leave that up to them. We say this is who we are. This is how we're going to do things. We know we want you, but you've got to decide do you want us. It's the decisions on you. You've got to be happy with your choice. And so, um, you know, I, I know it's, it's sometimes getting that that five-star, that person that's just a stud. Uh, you know, I've always said in my life, hard work beats talent when talent don't work hard. Yep. And sometimes you get those egos, you're going back to that ego, and they think they're coming in and they're going to just – they're going to step out on the floor. And well, it goes back to, to the customer you thought you'd always die to have will end up killing you. Absolutely. You know, and it's that same approach. You get that five-star, and it's like, man, this, this gal or guy is a game changer. They're going to take our program from this level to this level. 
this customer is going to change our business with their volume. This person is going to come into our organization because they're a dynamic leader in air quotes and, and the inverse happens. It ends up not being a good fit because we, we were always, we were looking for that game changer instead of maybe recruiting two or three kids and, or getting two or three customers that were just going to be solid and you could just take care of them and they would always perform at a certain level and, and be that consistent. Jeff, I got to ask you, you mentioned a minute ago, your story. When you were thinking about leaving pharmaceuticals because you had carved out a very successful career for yourself, take me in the audience through the process of going through your mind of when you had that first thought of maybe it's time to do something else. Because I think there are a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that are saying, I've got a good situation, but it's not really what I ultimately want to do. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, after, after leaving uh, the University of Alabama, I coached there for two years after graduating and playing there um, and kind of moved out west, kind of got back in, into Alabama, got into pharmaceuticals, and about a year into it, met my wife. And so my wife is a circuit judge. And so uh, with that being said, we kind of had to um, live where she was at. And so uh, we're in a small town in, in Hainville, Alabama. Uh, just to be honest with you, it's one of the, the poorest counties in the state of Alabama. Uh, but God's blessed us tremendously. So knowing that, that coaching was really what I wanted to do, I kind of settled for the pharmaceutical. Uh, it was a door that he opened. And, uh, but it also opened the door for me to be able to coach at the high school level. Uh, so I actually went to the school my wife graduated from, volunteered there. And I've been a volunteer head coach for 18 years. So it's something I haven't been paid to do, but it's something I absolutely love. I, I do it 24 hours a day um, if that was a possibility. So, mm -hmm. But he's, he's allowed me to have success uh, at that level. And it's nothing of my own doing. It's just a passion, and I care about the kids. I really do. And they know that. And so uh, after being in pharmaceutical for so long, my wife's kind of near her retirement, and I knew that to get back at the college level, it may take me two or three years. Uh, so about two years ago, I really, really hammered down. I was sending out resumes, and I was trying my darndest to try to get a job, you know, and I was willing to move. And, and so uh, what happened was is I really got away from, from my, myself, as you said. Sometimes we, we tend to be somebody we're not. And I felt like I could do it on my own. And finally, I just said, okay, Lord, um, you know, it was funny. I had a couple of opportunities. And so I just stopped before I made a decision. I said, God, if this is a door you want me to walk through, allow it to happen. And I said, if not, shut that door. I said, because if I make the decision, it's going to be wrong. Yep. And I right. had three choices and every one of those doors closed. And from that day forward, I said, okay, God, here I am. You use me where I'm at. And whenever you get ready for me to move, you move me. And mm -hmm. so that just happened this past uh, couple of months ago. Uh, just got called out of the blue, and and he offered me an opportunity, and we went over and visited and prayed about it. And it's just a, it's really a perfect scenario. Uh, and you making that transition, I I try to teach my kids and yep. even our, our players. As young kids, we have dreams. For some reason, when we get older, those dreams go away because people tell us they're foolish. That's right. Uh, 
And, and I just, I don't believe that. I told my wife, it, it doesn't matter how old you are, I'm never going to quit working. Uh, I'll coach as long as good Lord allows me to. But you, you've got to be able to, to pursue what you truly have a passion for. Uh, and, and if you pray about that, God's going to open that door for you eventually. Now, being, that being said, what I've learned and through the leadership skills and the training and the sales and communicating with people, I look back and I say, you know, that was probably God's plan to prepare me for this moment. Yep. Uh, now, at the time, did I see that? Probably not. Uh, but I know I'm a better person today to be able to go out and recruit kids uh, than I was 18 years ago. So maybe it wasn't my time. And well, so and I'm, I'm looking forward. And you have been an entrepreneur as well through this. You've owned your own business. And so a lot of people in, in the midst of this pandemic that we're currently going through right now at the time that we tape this podcast, you can totally empathize with them as well. Do you have a piece of encouragement for those folks to, to, to kind of help them as maybe they're listening to it at the time that we'll release this? Maybe their business hasn't come back the way they thought it would. You've been in that situation. How did you encourage yourself in those times that you were uncertain about being an entrepreneur? Well, I think part of it right now, too, is, is Brian, it's so easy for us to let the circumstances define who we are. And that is so far from the truth. Your circumstances don't define who you are. And, and I'll digress just a second and get back to what you just asked. But just like a lot of these kids we recruit, they come from single parent families. They come from broken homes. Uh, they come from where they have nothing. Yeah. And they're kind of putting everything in that one basket to really get them to where they want to be. And so are their families, by the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, they're, they're feeling like they're the only hope their family may have. And so yeah. it could be just like a business owner now. They could be the breadwinner of the family, and now things are struggling. Uh, but understand that you know, this is where my faith plays in. I think God's in control. Uh, yep. You know, this may be a season in our life. It doesn't mean it's, it's going to be this way forever. Uh, but unless you go through the failures, you can't, you can't truly reach the successes. And that's where you learn and you grow the most. And I think now it's a, it's a really good time for people to be creative. Um, I know one of the guys, Bob Baumhauer, right here, he owns the Wings. Uh, he's got nine different stores across the state of Alabama. Very successful businessman. Uh, but he had to shut his stores down. He kept all of his employees on, on payroll and he just came out. He goes, I got to do something. If I don't, I, I'm going to close down all nine stores. And so he actually opened up a grocery store and started selling meat and, and milk and breads out of his restaurants. And it was basically nine grocery stores in some of these areas that, that people couldn't go. And so it's, it's helped him, but he's, he's had to be creative as a challenge. Yeah. Um, but you know, we've got to face the challenges yeah. Along with the successes, you know, the same way. So I, my thing is just is stay encouraged, stay positive. Uh, this is only going to be temporary. Uh, you know, maybe it's a setback, but what are we learning from this? You know, we can either kind of wallow in our, our, our sorrows here or we can, you know, tighten up our belt straps and say, okay, what am I learning from this? How am I growing from this? Yeah. And how can I come back even better than ever? Jeff, how do you, and, and I want to, and we're moving in, in different directions and parts here. But, but I think about, to some extent, my son. My son, uh, 
basically was a bench player for four years of high school basketball, always wanted to play basketball at the collegiate level at some point, worked hard. Uh, it just wasn't in the cards for him. How do you console or encourage, and I shouldn't say console, how do you encourage someone that you've coached whose dream has been X and for whatever reason they have fallen short and that dream has to die to some degree? Maybe it's a business owner whose dream has always been to open up a business this pandemic hits and it kills their bit. Their dream has had to die. How do you encourage that person through that season of loss? I know what I had to do with my son. My son finally said, Hey, I, I know I'm not going to play division one basketball. I know I'm not even going to play NAIA basketball. I've got to move forward. He kind of buried that on his own, but as a coach, as an entrepreneur yourself, how do you encourage that that person when their dream is no longer a reality? Yeah, and I, and it, that's that's difficult. That's a that's a really good question. It's a difficult question. I'm sure there's a ton of people asking themselves that. You know, I, I think at the point that sometimes that dream may be a reality. It just may not be the right time. And sometimes I have good to tell, you, just like in your son, you know, even with me. You know, I knew I wanted to be a college coach, and I had that opportunity. And so I walked away from that opportunity thinking that I had found love. And I really do believe that over those 20 years, God's kind of prepared me and brought me back full circle to say, you're not ready. And yeah. so to say a business is not a success now, I mean, you can go back and look at all the different people. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan, since we're on the sports analogy, in the ninth grade, he gets cut from his high school basketball team. Arguably the best player to ever play the game. You know, uh, he had a fortitude. Now, people can talk all they want to about Dean Smith. I think he's a great coach. Even with Nick Saban, I think he's a great coach. But there's a lot of these guys, they talk about him being a great developer and all these. There's a lot of these guys that are just born with that gene. You don't develop anything. That's yeah. a God-given gene. And so, uh, I think you just got to search deep within Find out truly what your passion is. And that's, I'm trying to teach my kids now, find something that when you wake up in the morning, you're excited to go and do. You don't have to, nobody tell you to go do it. Nobody has to push you out of the bed or out of the front door. It's something that you can do and you find joy in. Don't do it for money. Don't do it for status. Do it because you're going to make a difference and you're going to be an impact. Well, I love and what you said a minute. You'll never work. And I love what you said a few minutes ago, and that's one of my favorite quotes. I had a leader tell me one time, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. But to your point, I went to school at Marshall University back in the mid-'90s, and in 1996, this guy showed up on Marshall's campus named Randy Moss. He was a freak. And he was just more talented than anybody else on the football field and then took it to the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL a few years later and became probably the second greatest receiver of all time behind Jerry Rice. Yes, Randy Moss had to work hard to some degree, but his talent was far and away. More, more, he was more talented than anybody that stepped on the football field with him. And, and I think, Jeff, there are going to be people during these times that are going to have the talent 
they're going to find a way to succeed no matter what because their talent level is just far and above everybody else's. And you've you've seen kids, you've watched I've watched kids myself doing PA for high school basketball the last five years. When a kid steps on the floor, you know that kid is more talented than any kid on the floor at that particular moment. But to your point, I think creativity is what people are going to need to do because how do you guard that ultra-talented kid? You don't have anybody on your team that's, that, that is as talented as that kid is. How do you guard him? Do you say, oh, we're just going to let him kill us tonight? No. you got to find a way to guard him. So let me transition here talking about overcoming those obstacles when you're facing uh, a, a more talented team or a more talented kid or you're facing more talented competition than what you have. What's the biggest obstacle in your coaching or your life or I- anything that you want to talk about? What's the biggest obstacle that you have overcome and how did you overcome it? That's a really good question too, Brian. And, and I'll tell you, I think the, the key to that is, I'm going to make it short and simple and then I'll share with you. But the key to overcoming those obstacles, number one, is our mindset. I'm huge on, on the mentality. It doesn't matter whether it's sports. It doesn't matter whether your podcast you're doing, you're a salesman. Uh, but I think the secret lies between your ears. Well, let me stop you. Let me stop you right there. My biggest thing I've had to overcome is having limited mind space, okay? I'm not a real smart. <laughs> no, go ahead, man. I didn't, I, I didn't mean to. To, uh, to jump in there, oh, I had absolutely. to. Absolutely. Well, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to change that word obstacles to opportunities. Uh, every obstacle in your life is an opportunity. And we've got to be thankful for challenges because the challenges are what makes us who we are. Now, you know? hang on hang on a minute. Park right there just a second. All right. Park right there because I want you to repeat that for everybody. I want you to repeat that for, for everybody listening out there. You said something really good there. Okay. And, and my apologies, the phone's ringing. (laughs) I haven't figured out a way to turn off the phone. I'm sure it's my wife calling for my son. This is a, a unscripted podcast. I don't apologize for it. Park there, Jeff, for just a quick minute. You said something. You've got to turn that obstacle into an opportunity. Man, take that and run with it. I, I love that. I, I had to I had to bring that back to the conversation. Yeah, that's uh, you know, everything we're gonna be faced with challenges. That's that's part of life. Um and it's biblical too. God says it's not gonna be easy. You're gonna have trials, you're gonna have tribulation, and so everything that comes along in life don't it's really how we see it how do we perceive it uh is it is it really an obstacle or is it an opportunity Uh, we have the opportunity to make ourselves better and so it take that as a challenge and that's something that just like you say you're you got a guy that's the best on the floor how are you going to guard him you know challenge somebody challenge them to go out and i'm not saying you're going to stop him but slow him down, slow her down, whatever the case may be. My thing is, is, is that I don't believe there's any such thing as 110%. I've heard coaches say it their entire life. God gives you 100% ability. That's what I ask you to give. Give me 100% of what you have. Mm-hmm. And when you're done with it, it doesn't matter whether it's a business or, 
or whether it's the podcast or coaching or whatever, at the end of the day, you got to be able to lay your head down on the pillow and say, I give my 100 absolute best today. I was focused. I was intentional. Since we're talking about being intentional here, you know, I think that's the other thing too. Anything we do, we have to be intentional. Um, you, you know, a dream without a plan is just a wish, you know, and I think that's the failure of a lot of people. They have dreams and they have aspirations, but they have no plan to go along with it. It's just a dream. And I, I tell somebody, is it one day or day one? You've got to start somewhere. Take that first step. And guess what? That first step leads to the next step. And once you're moving, you're working towards that dream. You're working towards your goal, whether whatever it may be in a business, basketball, becoming a better dribbler. It takes action. And that's, I love the opportunities that are that we're faced with. And so I never see anything as an obstacle. And that's just a mindset. Uh, we don't say the word can't. You know, I, I make my players run for saying I can't do that. And, you know, you say it's difficult, but I'm working on it. Yeah. But you don't say you can't. Uh, so I, I just think that's kind of a, a mindset thing that people can, can really just change how the outlook, the outlook is on things. I've always told my family there's a difference between can't and won't. There's a vast difference between can't and won't. Because somebody will say, well, well I can't do that. Okay, so you're telling me you're physically incapable of doing that thing. Well, no, I, it was okay. So what you're telling me is you won't do that. And we have a lot of people that say, well, I can't overcome this. I can't get past this. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. I have been, uh, my dreams have been shattered. I can't No, what you're saying is you won't release that thing that's holding you back so that you can take in something else different. When you're coaching a, a player or you're coaching somebody or mentoring somebody personally, what's one thing that you always like to leave with them encouragement wise to get them to say, Hey, coach, coach is telling me I can coach is telling me that, that I have the ability to do that. Do you have a do you have a piece of go to encouragement that you use with people in business and and in sports? Yeah, I guess in a sense, I'm a big encourager. Um, you know, I want to I want to focus on positives. I absolutely, point out things they're doing good. I think we as coaches sometimes, and in, in, in anything, we tend to focus on the negative more so than we do the positive. Um, and, and then I like to kind of just point out a couple of things that you know, hey, here's some areas we're going to continue to work on. Not to say, here's your weakness, uh, you know. And so I, I just did that with all of our players because, fortunately, we don't have a, a spring with them. So we're usually doing individual workouts. And, and so I've written up an individual workout plan for them. I had, had them send me videos. I was watching those last night and just commenting on them. And so you kind of you get the, an opportunity to highlight things that they're doing good and encourage them. And, and you got to find a way to word it uh, towards not negative. So if there's something they need to work on, and I just simply ask kids uh, it, it, during practice or anything, what they're doing, their grades or whatever, I just say, is that your best? And and if they can look at me and say, well, no, coach, I, I said, okay, then. You know, I don't, I don't need to say anything else. All I'm asking for is your best. And if they can say, I give it all today in practice, or coach, I, I really studied for that exam, and, and 95 was the best I could make, I'm okay with that. And, you know, I'm not even going to question it if they tell me, that's my best. Okay. Yeah. Guess what? 
I know exactly what to expect out of you now. And so then they start thinking, wait a second, coach, I've got more than that. Well, you just told me that was your best. So it goes back to what you just said. Is it a can't or a won't do it? You know, are you willing to put in some extra time? Are you willing to go a little bit further than anybody else? That's right. That's right. Jeff Lovell, man, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much. How can folks find you if they want to connect up with you out there in, in social media world and things in, in Twitter land or what, you know, whatever y'all want to, where, wherever y'all want to hook up with him, how can folks get connected with you? Man, I, I'm learning, I'm learning the, the, the social media aspect of it, but I'll just, I'll be honest with you. Uh, you can catch me on Facebook. My family's on that page there. Uh, probably the only Jeff Lovell you'll see in Alabama. Catch him on LinkedIn too. That's where he and I connected together. Absolutely. And I don't have a problem with, with giving an email or my number, guys. I, I, I love yep. to talk to That's people. That's right. That's right. And, and I'm here for anybody. So. Uh, hey, one more thing before we get out of here, okay? Now, you are a diehard Alabama Crimson Tiger foot – Crimson Tiger. Crimson Tide. i tell you where my brain's at today. Yeah. Alabama – I think I've committed larceny in the state of Alabama. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> Man, oh, man, I, I, I would have almost spit on Bear Bryant's grave talking about Alabama Crimson Tiger. Yeah. I'll straighten the picture up. Yeah, I know it, right? I know it. Alabama Crimson Tide. At the time we're recording this, tomorrow night is the NFL draft. All right, Jeff Lovell, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, my friend here. To, at, when this podcast releases – at that time, Tua Tagovailoa will be a. Whew. That is really that's probably the toughest question you've asked me uh, because with all the the hype around the media. And that's and, Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. Correct. So so, so it, it's for those that that are may not be football savvy. Okay. So so at the time this podcast releases, it'll be about a month and a half or so when this releases. He will be on a member of what organization? Man, that that is tough. Um, you know, I keep I keep hearing the Raiders, but man, they got two great quarterbacks, and their their salaries are, are unbelievable. Um, man, I I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I can answer that, Brian. I, I mean, I can I can take a. I'm gonna hold your feet to the fire here. We're gonna do something we have not done yet on the Intentional Encourager podcast, just because this man is a dear friend. If I'm right, he's gonna send me an Alabama hat. If he's right, I'm gonna send him a Marshall hat. <laughs> All right. Deal. Deal. Tell, okay. Okay. Tell me what you real quick. Tell me what you're thinking. All right, I, I'm going to say uh, – th this is a long shot. Okay. But – and people are probably going to think I'm crazy, and I, I have no clue. I don't keep up with the NFL that much. But I'm going to say he's going to end up with the New England Patriots. Very interesting. I say Tua Tagovailoa, because I want to add to my hat collection, is going to be a Los Angeles Charger at the number six pick. That that may be a very possibility. There. I think Miami is going to jump up and take Justin Herbert. I think the, the questions about Tua's hip are going to scare him off a little bit. But I think I think Miami wants that big arm and 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 
I think he ends up – now, we could be both wrong. And, okay. and only time will tell, and we'll we'll sort it out. But but listen, my man, that Alabama hat's gonna look real nice in my closet. <laughs> just don't put it in your closet. Just wear it. <clears throat> well, that's true. I could wear it in Morgantown. I'd be okay. I, you there know, because yeah, Jeff, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Be blessed, my friend. Pleasure's all mine. God bless you, man. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.